You are listening to the AI Ready Healthcare podcast. I'm your host Anirban. I lead a research group in Technical University of Darmstadt in Germany where we translate AI solutions to problems in image guided diagnosis and surgery. The purpose of this podcast is to connect the physician scientists and healthcare professionals with the advanced AI research from the Mikai Society. Here I talk to fellow scientists from both communities about the translational aspects of AI in healthcare. Opinion is whoever said it. Anything said here is not medical advice. Together, let's make healthcare AI ready. Come writers and critics who prophesize with your pain and keep your eyes wide the chance won't come again and don't speak too soon for the wheel is still in spin and there is no telling who that it's naming for the loser now will be later to win for the times they are a changing come senators congressmen please heed the call don't stand in the doorway don't block up the hall for he that gets hurt will be he who has told the battle outside raging will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are a changing come mothers and fathers throughout the land and don't criticize what you can't understand your sons and your daughters are beyond your command your old road is rapidly aging please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand for the times they are a changing you were listening to the selected verses of times they are a changing from bob dylan and now we move on to our episode on ai ready healthcare podcast so yeah it is a wonderful day today here in darmstadt and it's also a wonderful day in general to have with us dr andreas bucher from the university hospital frankfurt he is a practicing radiologist and also a clinical researcher who has a lot of interest in bringing together the AI aspects and radiology aspects so we will hear more about how his visions are what he is currently doing what sort of research projects he is currently involved in looking forward to the next 3 years 5 years how he sees the field will develop i also have today with me uh, my co-host henry crum who is a researcher in our group hello all righty wonderful so we are complete now and we start uh this podcast of the fourth season of ai ready healthcare so i guess andy to you the first question would be about who you are how you have become who you are what is your research career how does your training as a radiologist look like stuff like that thanks for having me and thanks for this interesting podcast series 
I'm excited to see how it develops and I'll, I'll watch it myself uh, once we have uh, future episodes. But how did I, I become a radiologist? I think the, the main driver maybe was an interest for imaging diagnosis. So I was always interested in images. I, I was also interested in medicine and it, it definitely wasn't my first choice. When you study medicine, you, you have one of, of a number of recurring motives that almost everybody has. So either you're already in the family of doctors or you just want the social aspect or you are interested maybe in the adventure of doing emergency medicine. Rarely it comes from a technical motivation, I think, because then the cost benefit isn't, isn't ideal. Yeah, so I think what happens, what I saw in myself and other colleagues, that you have these these cycles of reorienting your expectations. So um, before you start studying, you have a certain expectation what what a doctor, the job as a doctor looks like. Then you get in touch with your first practical experience. Um, it's a practicum for Pflegepraktikum we have in Germany. So you're basically on a more of a nurse level. That sort of changes expectations a little bit. Then you, you have a completely preclinical experience. That's a lot more like uh, like school would be. We have basic sciences and such. And then you actually get in touch with different aspects of medicine. And you learn that it's very faceted. And a lot of things are very interesting, but very specialized. And it can have a lot of different phases, basically. Um, for me, it was a bit of a chance encounter during the, the lighter part of my studies and the clinical um, part of the medical uh, studies was looking for a doctorarbeit, so thesis, and I looked at different theses and found uh, some young attendings and uh, soon-to-be professors that offered the thesis and sounded good. I, I got some good reviews from other students that did the same, and basically that's how I looked at radiology. I like the technical part, actually. I like, I like technical aspects of medicine, and within that aspect, the idea of sort of virtually diagnosing from an image. That, that was basically what stuck with me. And the potential that you have in digitizing a human. I mean, it's like going from analog to digital and that with the human anatomy and then pathology. And that's, that's basically what I liked about it. It helps that it is sort of a, a dynamic specialty as well. And so you don't completely give up other options. You, you have interventional radiology, you can do some some small surgery. There's usually some new techniques being introduced in radiology first. It's sort of a field that opens itself. It's close to industry. And new machines have, have historically frequently been, been introduced first in radiology. So the stenting um, came. Uh, so what, what, what has now mostly been by cardiologists, um, cardiovascular interventions has been done by radiology. We have the, the percutaneous interventions. There's now more uh, tips. So portovenous shunting, that's basically what caught me. And the other part, I think that's that's becoming more important now with the growing digitization of medicine is radiology has moved to the middle of information flow in hospitals. And you can easily experience this even as a as while well, as a student working on your thesis, you're basically the only specialty that has access to all other information systems. So usually you get only a little bit. And so we it's important. You get I mean you get patients from all other specialties and you have to provide the answers intelligently and you have to decide whether or not you're doing an examination or not. So I think that that's the other face of it and maybe the potential that that can grow out of 
out of the digitization now. The other thing that becomes apparent to you, I talked about the recalibration of expectations is I think in the hospital, and this is maybe something that, that you have even more experience with. So coming from a, a nice organized informatics background, you go into a hospital and look at the IT infrastructure there and the software systems that you work with, it's less than ideal in many cases. So there's some ground to be covered. And, and I think that's, that's happening now. Everybody is excited to move forward into networking and, and improving infrastructure for hospitals and that's i think when we can really uh, tackle some bigger issues that, that like big data and um, and hot topics that have been around, uh, around for a while but really the yeah the groundwork hasn't hasn't been there yet it's just coming together so one quick question uh, have like currently you are practicing in the university hospital frankfurt yeah but this is where you have always been or you were trained somewhere else and then you moved how was the training yeah so so my training so i i went to university here um so university hospital as a student as well uh, also in frankfurt and then my thesis i started in this hospital i had an a uh, year abroad i had already uh, been to the united states in high school i went to california and um, and so it was something I wanted to do again. And there was the opportunity, my professor, Brother Fogel, who has a connection with uh, Charleston Medical University, um, Professor Shep, who has a cardiovascular research group that's very uh, well known and yeah, very advanced and well set up research group. So I got some exposure uh, to researching there before I started my actual training. Uh, very grateful, it was a great experience and then um, came back and did the rest of my training in Frankfurt. Sort of have a choice between staying in university for your training, which is what I chose to do. And I think the benefit is apparent that I would do it again for the simple reason that you sort of have exposure to a broad range of different methods. Large hospitals sort of do everything. We have interventions. We have all the different subspecialties of radiology. We have a pediatric side, mammography, angio suite, like I said, for intervention, but also um, punctures. Our department is also known through our institute um, director, Professor Fogel, because he does um, advanced and uh, interventions for uh, chemotherapy, so uh, local local regional chemotherapy. And it's very also, uh, as I said, um, very uh, open to new methods and, and there's a, a few different techniques in interventional radiology. So that's an option. And I like the teaching aspect of being in a university, being around research, getting exposure to yeah, to new collaborations and and basically that's uh, sort of has worked out well i would say the the trade off that usually you do as a doctor is if you go if you early on want to go towards practice then that's a different kind of working and you can also choose to do your specialty in a smaller hospital and usually it's a more familiar team so smaller team everybody's a bit closer and it can have benefits in uh, in training as well so no but i did the overwhelming part of my education i've done in the university hospital of frankfurt with some with some additional exposure so currently i'm now i'm working Closer with the medical informatics group as well as a cooperative uh, effort. And I have chosen to do uh, additional uh, training. There's a new master study that you can do on the side, and it's information management. It's called BITS through, uh, univers- uh, through the uh, university in, in Mannheim and um, fitting for COVID. 
it is completely done online. So that's some new training that I'm enjoying and gives you some some new uh, tools to apply and be a bit more intelligent when talking to computer scientists. Perfect. Uh, so thank you very much for this uh, detailed and comprehensive summary of what you were doing and what you are also currently working on. Connecting to that and especially to this aspect of COVID, you're also working on the Raccoon Project. So can you maybe tell us a bit about, about that, what the Raccoon Project basically is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm one of many people uh, involved in it. And I was lucky enough to be around when the conception of, of the project came together. And it's now uh, being recognized maybe more as an enabler. The abbreviation uh, stands for Radiological Cooperative Network. And that's pretty much what it is. So we're trying to set up an infrastructure, uh, focus being on, on the network infrastructure that has a tool set. It gives you three environments that work in harmony and is open to new tools as well. And it has an identical sort of clone of this, so an identical environment that we call Raccoon Nodes or local server that can do federated analysis in each hospital, but can do so in an equivalent way. One of the core features is medically licensed product from a company that came out of the DKFZ in Heidelberg. Medical is providing part of this infrastructure, so we call it the backbone, and it allows you to do structured reporting, data acquisition, and, and sort of have a, have a structured data flow from the ground up, from the very, from the very beginning of creating data in the network. And then there are open source, open science aspects that you realize through the other two components. So there's the joint imaging platform also from the DK set that is published open sourced. And it is the environment that is most suited to automatic image segmentation and um, all sorts of automatic image post-analysis steps that can be transported in a Docker format. It's also the part that will be most suitable to advanced federated learning methods and such. And then there's a complete toolbox from uh, Fraunhofer Mavis, uh, which is called the Satori platform uh, and has advanced image segmentation tools. It has some radiologists in the loops aspects and um, also some training loops that you can do very user-friendly without having to go deep into the manual parts of, of putting together code and, and modules. So those three work well together. It's, it was very important to us that it's interoperable. So there's no proprietary formats. It wasn't set on any proprietary players either. So it's an open sort of criteria catalog that we wrote. And then these components sort of suited best. This wasn't clear in the beginning, but we have a very homogeneous spread of these environments over all university hospitals. And the great success is that all university hospitals are part of, uh, of the project. Then another component, which is a central version of the same components, and there's an anonymized data upload that can be performed into this component to do training, evaluation, metadata analysis. I think really the biggest enabling factor is that now you can very easily scale projects. So before you had large hurdles because there's no 
underlying preliminary work to transport even a very well working network from point A to point B. So network meaning artificial intelligence neural network. And now sort of there's a pathway and some instruction and we have meetings where, where we gather machine learners and already collect ideas. There's been a large number of sub-projects being proposed in the network. They're now being called, reviewed and brought together. Some of them will fuse, others will, will maybe mod modify a little bit. So we're excited to see where it goes. It's been also challenging because not only COVID, but it's a large undertaking with a lot of players to bring together and it's very it's been very nice to see everybody going in the same direction so it's been a very very good experience yeah this this really uh does sound exciting yeah like an exciting direction so at, at which points in, in this whole pipeline does ai uh, play a role basically you already mentioned for image segmentation but other other aspects where ai technologies will be involved so ai is not a core in in conceptualizing of the project itself but it enables the creation of ai and the distribution of ai so basically the homogeneous structure for harvesting data um, creating structured reports the facilitation of communication between centers and a common framework for common rule set basically data protection plan ethics proposal for the first cohort those are sort of facilitators of creating AI. And then it's also brings together machine learning institutes and radiology departments, mostly through collaborations that are already pre-existing. So for instance, Aniban and me, we've worked together before and that's a natural collaboration that, that is perfectly suited for this. So naturally we, we work, we're working close on this project as well. And this, this is happening in other institutes as well. And I think you can see that those who closely work together, uh, it's, a, it's a successful model because I think it's methods too complex for radiologists by themselves to understand them sufficiently, do good clinical applications with them, and then radiologists have individual problems. And it, it's hard for an outsider that is not in the clinic to understand how a certain application needs to perform and to evaluate it. And sort of this process is being facilitated. I should mention that I'm part of a larger team in this context. So there's two hospitals that are I do most of the coordination. So it's uh, University Hospital of Charité Berlin, uh, Professor Hamm and uh, Tobias uh, Penskofer, then it's Professor Vogel and myself from Frankfurt. Uh, we have nine hospitals in uh, sort of the steering committee of the project. All university hospitals um, are partners in, in the project, and we have focus groups, Schwerpunktgruppen in German, that are tackling specific issues. And there's a number of, of very dedicated and motivated computer scientists, radiologists working together. And yeah, and so basically that's that's more or less the setup. And then in each hospital, there's further collaboration potentially being being forwarded. So it's, it's a natural uh, collaboration with other clinical parts also to do, to do further research. Research is not currently the focus of the project it is we're focused on on building the framework the infrastructure to enable research have there been similar uh, attempts or approaches uh, in the past in, in germany or maybe in europe in general to do such large-scale collaborations or is this the very first thing of its kind 
Um, so there's definitely network projects. So I'm not aware of anything that is in the same scale. There's certainly been network projects before and both on German and European international scale, but not something that nationally covers the largest centers of an entire country. So I think, especially now that we have a pandemic where it's very important to pool knowledge quickly, the value can be seen and uh, obviously, it can apply to other questions as well. So I think in that respect, it is the first collaborative effort of its kind. It should be said that it's it's basically just, I mean, it's, it's already pre-existing while working and components that, that have a high head, already had a high likelihood of success um, and bringing them together. There's already been the joint imaging platform and that's not something that was originally created for this project is the partner from DKF set is developing that specifically for this network, but it's pre-existed. And, um, and it's basically one of the, the very driving um, modules that, that enables this. There's the backbone would also not have been feasible to do in this short time. So that's also pre-existing work. So I think thanks really, and, and the credit has to go to those teams that have already worked on the right kind of things. And, and then I think the other one is maybe mostly understanding that it's, it's a necessity to work together. So there's been large efforts from all hospitals to, to make this possible. And it wasn't definitely hasn't been easy. So I think it's the understanding there is a larger cost maybe during COVID. Maybe this is also something very interesting for our listeners because we talk about AI ready healthcare. That's the name of the podcast. And part of the AI readiness is the infrastructure, the digital healthcare infrastructure. And so far, we haven't seen many projects of this scale, this magnitude. So that way, I'm, I mean, if you want to really see the full potential or the benefits of AI into healthcare is probably the way to go. It's also nice because what you are mentioning is that some of these components were already existing and that's what made things happen. It's not possible during a pandemic to come up with such an infrastructure from scratch. And that also shows that the funding agencies in Germany, they are thinking in the right ways and they are thinking much more proactively than they are often credited for. So this is also Basically, I sort of kudos to them for doing this amazing work in the in the background. Yeah, and actually, I think that this might be a huge accelerator. I mean, a collaboration in general always has the effect of, well, emergence. I mean, that something comes out at the end, which is better than the sum of its parts. So what is your vision about uh, this whole project? What do you think will happen in the future? Or what would you hope to happen in the future? Uh, I think that's very hard to see forward several years. So I think right now, the most important thing would be to sort of finish what we started with the first sort of goal to have. It's, there's a period until end of this year that we have set roadmaps and plans for very tentatively. Uh, you can think further than that. It's right, I think right now it's important to take it one step at a time. Aneban has just um, sort of started to elaborate a little bit on the outside perspective. So that's something that's interesting to me, maybe. Where, where would you see, hopefully, the development from the view of somebody who is providing innovation into such a network? So, so I guess from the way I think is one of the biggest difficulties of 
gauging the true impact of AI in healthcare, right? So we heard a lot of buzz, noise that AI is going to change everything. And of course, it can't change everything on its own, right? So there has to be, uh, like, because healthcare is a system, AI solving a classification problem or a segmentation problem won't change the system or anything. That's kind of too much to think about. I guess this is probably give uh, people an idea of scaling up because when you scale things up, that there are some properties that emerge that you don't see in the normal thing. So one example I always try to think is that imagine those, well, for us, it's a bit difficult to imagine, but there were times when people used to take photographs with digital, like with films, right? And then when the digital camera came along, there were uh, this idea that, okay, digitals are not very good, blah, blah, blah. The purists still love to stay into their film genre. As digital become less expensive, more accessible, it's not like the photography changed. It's how people consume photos that has changed with Flickr and whatever uh, Instagram that's coming in. Unless you are really scaling things up to that massive level, you don't really realize where like automatic algorithms and their benefits in comparison to doing manually the old way. So I guess radiology has already shifted in that sense that most of it is already digital anyway. You have your PAC systems and hospital information system anyway in place. So this is kind of bound to happen and that would really change how uh, diagnosis, differential diagnosis happens at scale. And this is probably one of the earliest way to think about, but maybe I'm too hopeful, too enthusiastic about it. So uh, the, the question is back to you. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. So maybe it can be a perspective changer because it gives actually gives room for these methods to actually uh, work and grow. Yeah, I think Probably the the first innovation is so one of the larger questions that hasn't really been asked before is how do you ensure quality over so many partners and and so there are other questions that are new because they didn't have to be answered before so I think that will be the next things to tackle so it can really work well then there are already models and applications that worked in smaller environments so they will likely work in larger environments maybe you will find new things by scaling them but those will be the most natural and then of course it will be interesting to see the application of new methods that really only work in such an environment and i think that will be really exciting if if that we can get there and see some new results that are that haven't been possible before, such as federated learning and those. Yeah. So I guess also like you are going more towards a population scale share of information. It doesn't have to be the exact image itself, but you simply had no way of sharing even basic information like for example if it's COVID-19 how much what what fraction of the lung is basically infected for a particular person in a certain stage across Germany. It was completely impossible to share such information before without having such an infrastructure in place. And that might actually give certain indication which we don't even currently know. So that those are also possibilities that we can 
do I guess once such an infrastructure is in place? So, I mean, one thing I was also very curious to ask you, Andy, about is that because you are handling uh, or managing basically such a massive project and uh, such a huge infrastructure project, you are talking to many different stakeholders, right? So you are talking to companies who are interested into it. You are talking to computer scientists like us, your fellow radiologists, probably radiologists of your age who are not necessarily always friends, but also competition. So so there are many different layers of like talking to human. How does that worked out so far? So what were the strategies that worked, what didn't work? Yeah, well, luckily, I only have to a small part of that, but because we, we have a, a larger body that really does political decisions and such. So, yeah, it, it, you could imagine it being very complicated to bring people to one table. But I think having a common goal and a very, very short timeline to do it helps. You cannot ask very complicated questions, even they are being asked, but you have to then realize that, you know, you have to find a practical solution. And so that drive has always been always been there. There's been a shorter time span even, and it's gotten extended a bit. Also, I myself, I'm very surprised to see that um, the bigger picture is being seen, I think. And, and so that helps. There's a lot of, of good ideas already coming forward. But sort of like I said before, the challenge now is not so much the fine-tuning of all the details yet. So there is not so much focus on research. It's it's a, it's a one-two process. And the, the first step is just to have a good system running that then research can happen in. And then the idea that's been brought early on, so we had proposal for having an open system quite early. So Project Lezik, for instance, was, was maybe the earliest initiator or one of the earliest put forward ideas about collaborating and it was always sort of the the idea to give an enabling tool but to let people work within that so hopefully that will uh, be possible but that's currently being done so there are regulations but people are really free to put forward their own positions and i think that's really sort of been the solution to that. So one quick question or a follow-up, I guess, is this is something of a, a statistics that I always mention whenever I talk to radiologists. So basically last year during Mikai, I asked over Twitter in a Twitter poll, the young students, PhDs in the Mikai society, uh, how often do they talk to the clinical partners? And 25% said, once per year or less. So if you are not talking to your clinical partners, then you can't really do medical imaging, uh, be it AI in medical imaging. You might be solving Mikai challenges and getting better numbers there, but that has nothing to do with the reality. So I guess probably this is not very far for radiologists in general as well. I mean, you and I, we talk, but it's not necessarily a very common thing, I guess, even within German radiologists. So moving forward, how do you see this can be solved? 
That's been an interesting experience also for me. So we currently have an exchange that is open to everybody and it happens uh, Wednesdays evening specifically for the exchange of ideas of machine learning, AI, and how does it correlate to the system? Yeah, I think it's it's necessary to have this dialogue. I think there will be more of those corporations. It's also getting easier, I think, to work together. I mean, there's more resources available in the public domain and tool sets are getting better. It's also being recognized as a necessary educational skill or, or skill and that that needs special education for radiologists so that's been a hot topic for 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 a long time and radiologists now for several years and so people are learning more about what the methods are and they can i think more intelligently converse and plan collaborations with um, computer scientists. Probably those institutes that have a good collaboration with computer scientists and computer scientists that can understand what the work is in, in clinical institutes, those will be the the ones leading the field. I think that's, that's already true. I mean, it's true for radiologists. Those that have a, a good computer science department, computational imaging department are the most successful. They have the best sort of applications to develop. So I think that that will grow more together. It would be at least, in my view, a natural extension of the current development. I mean, maybe the other part of the question is if, I mean, we're talking about hyping um, AI and such. So will it lose interest a bit and will people go somewhere else? So we'll see. I mean, there's right now, probably the timeline would be a bit longer. Maybe good innovative translational aspects can can bring some good methods. But there's, on the other hand, it's surprising to see, I mean, how much is already in the clinic. You wouldn't expect it. I think that there's actually comparatively little that goes into day-to-day work uh, for radiologists in contrast to to high number of research papers, very, I mean, sensible, very smart applications that are already available, but the use, I mean, to get them into actual use, to, to actually get them to provide a useful value for people that are just solving clinical problems as a radiologist is, is a different issue. And it's not something that can be understood remotely, I think. So you need to actually go and see, do some field study. I think one part of of the problem might be that engineers or computer scientists don't necessarily have the, the knowledge in the domain of radiology or the medical domain. So how is it for the radiologists concerning the technological point of view. So you really have a broad knowledge about artificial intelligence. I don't know, is this common for radiologists or are you an exception, so to say? I would definitely not put myself in the higher ranking percentage of radiologists that know about AI. But um, I think it's necessary to sort of understand where the methods come together. And that's for me, it's been collaboration with Anyaban and practical questions. I mean, obviously the lectures and such help because it's it's the prominent theme. It's been so for a few years, but yeah, I think it needs to be, and it's been understood, I think that it needs to be part of the education. It's not being taught in general medical training. The computer sciences are not a part of that, even though they apply to various clinical specialties, not just radiologists. It's not really 
on a high school level. I think it's not really something that you learn, and there's not really a specialty while you're already a radiologist. So, but they, I think it will develop more because there's a larger group. I think that understand the relevance. I think it's it's very going to be very rare to find any doctor, um, especially radiologists, that would state that there is not going to be significant impact by AI for how we work in the future. So that's being understood. Being a user doesn't necessitate that you understand necessarily what, what you use. Being a smart user, you need some experience. And then if you're interested in actually shaping these methods, and of course, I think you need to get deeper into the methods. So I think what I would like to see and what's already taking place is more specialized training for radiologists, maybe even longer courses. There is some studies that you can do next to work already. I mentioned one that, that I'm doing now, but probably there will be some more. There's more room for, for better options. I think there's not a lot of choices being offered so far. I think it's rare for somebody to, to really study one thing and then go and study the other thing. So you have, you have very few people who are very advanced in both. So there's a few, and you can, you can of course, see that, that they have a completely different perspective on the useful applications, yeah. It's, it's good to know that there are tendencies that both uh, disciplines somewhat simulate. Yeah, I think it's natural sort of development. I mean, like we said earlier, we, we have a digital sort of... We already have digital information and it's easy. It suits itself well for AI, for information management, radiologists is in the center. So it's, I think it's a natural role to think more in terms of information management and radiology. So I think that's something that will grow. I mean, healthcare changes slowly. So it's maybe, maybe not so much will have changed in the course of five years or even 10 years compared to what we would expect, but will materialize. And I think radiologists keep reinventing themselves. So I think that is a natural process that will happen. So they will also change their training more. They will change their focus more and the work will adapt towards new, new options. So I guess the time is running low. So probably we end with one Last question from my side, it's more like, imagine if you get free leeway, you don't have to work your night shifts, you don't have to worry too much about, apart from the obvious, I, I guess, limited hours, and it's a perfect working condition, and you have a big group of capable researchers, both radiologists and computer scientists, working side by side. So in a way, you have the ultimate utopia of research. So how do you see yourself in that way? What are the big questions then you would have tackled in the in the coming years? Yeah, so I think the, the real interesting long-term goal, if you could wish for one thing would be to have sort of a modular automatic way of analyzing images the way you would do it but not necessarily so it does it by itself but so it gives you the information that you need very easily transparently and you could interact with it so have have well-working segmentation have quantitative parameters for different organs that can intelligently let 
you make a better decision towards your question. So if you're looking for a certain disease, if you want to exclude metastases, for instance, uh, that's that's a simpler thing. But if you want to classify a certain lesion, if you have good pre-analysis working and you can actually transparently play with it as a reporter, so as a reporter meaning reporting radiologist, then yeah, I think that would sort of be the vision to have the good working system that filters and presents information well for you. So I think that I think the next steps that, that are interesting to me would be uh, obviously transparency methods and uncertainty methods in, um, in AI. Just improving image segmentation is already a big step. So I am interested in structured reporting as well. It's been something that's been around for a long time. It's not very easy to bring it to broad use because it only has a limited payoff currently for for users while it is a bit more uncomfortable. It's not been made very effective. So that would be another thing that could really help and that, that I would be interested in seeing something that lets you very easily create a structured report that's user-friendly. And there's even been some attempts now to I mean, we the, the end product has traditionally been the reports of the written report, and it traditionally is not written for the patient, for instance. So there's been some efforts into making that more specific to the to the readers. So you, you should have a version that's more for, towards the patient, one that's more towards the uh, referring doctor that attract, that send you the patient. So I think improving on the report itself that's another big issue that that could be very interesting wonderful so on the note of ai become more transparent more translated into the clinical use for the benefit of the doctors of the patients of everyone involved around with that let's thanks one more to andy for the wonderful uh, our long discussion we had today it's a it's a very nice time we had it was really wonderful andy to hear from your perspective thank you so much for the time it was a pleasure thanks thanks for having me looking forward to talking to you soon thank you very much for the insightful discussion